Welcome, I'm Doug Morgan, and you're listening to Uncommon Sense, where we hunt for the truth in the topics you're not supposed to talk about, Christianity and politics. Have you ever thought about what Jesus thinks about the state of the world and the church? There was a time when God literally destroyed the earth with a flood because it was so corrupt. We see a more merciful side of God today, of course, in the form of Jesus. And he constantly advocates for us even when we don't want anything to do with him. He still advocates for us with God the Father. Our world has a lot of problems. It It's not all bad, but society as a whole has turn further and further away from God. I think we can all agree on that. What really gets to me and brings up a lot of righteous anger in me is when I see church leaders and pastors that lead people away from the truth. I really think that Jesus is saddened by these leaders who, for different reasons, lead people away from him. It was in this mindset the other day when I came across a person that leads a group called the Sad Jesus Community. (laughs) Yeah, I wanted to know more about this Sad Jesus group. And so I went to his Facebook and his Patreon page. And here is what his Patreon page says. As the world spirals into darkness and self-absorption, The Sad Jesus Community is committed to speaking the truth to power, comforting the afflicted, afflicting the comfortable, including all people of hope, and being a safe place for people who long for faith but find it difficult or challenging. Okay, so far, okay. Truth to power is a liberal buzzword. But the rest is just kind of feel-good phrases and don't really mean much. I mean, for example, who are the people of hope? (laughs) We're not, I don't think, talking about Hope Alaska, right? (laughs) And, and, And if you're talking about hopeful people, who wouldn't want to include them in, in your group? It's just, just kind of a lot of things that just are all right don't really mean a lot, but they're good phrases. Understanding God, he continues, to be found in all places, we will seek to populate all places with grace, love, and mercy, while knowing our human limitations and needs. All right. Um, If you want to rewind that and, and and hear what what he's saying here again and and then let me know what he's saying because i don't think you could be more vague than than what he when what he just just said there well as he continues while we may be sad at the way life is difficult we will take comfort in the holy union of our fellowship knowing that none of us are perfect in knowledge or action. Be kind to one another. Love yourself. Love others. Love God. 
who calls us together and bless the, lo- the world that might seek to curse us. So, translation, life is hard and makes us sad. <laughs> so we find comfort crying with each other. <laughs> it's, I mean, I can't get anything else other than that out of that. Again, if you can, let me know. You know, this guy, he has 69 people supporting him and getting $576 a month through this Patreon page. You know, if you want to support him, that's up to you, I guess, right? So I went to his Facebook page, and this is what he says there. He says a little bit more than he did on his Patreon. He says, saddened by the ever-encroaching darkness, because that was kind of the same thing as he started the other one out with, sad Jesus will bring light, name darkness, comfort the broken, and afflict the comfortable who think they have all the answers, double exclamation mark. (laughs) I take for my name the one I seek to emulate, though sadly, I will always fail. Wow. This, This is not a guy that you want to invite to your next party, right? I mean, he is kind of a downer here. <laughs> there, there is, though, in here, that, that phrase again, afflicted, afflict the comfortable. This time he says about them, quote, who think they are, they have all the answers, unquote. Now, not sure where in the Bible it says that we are to afflict anyone, <laughs> even even those that are comfortable. <laughs> and and if I'm doing this, if I'm afflicting them somehow, I again don't have a definition of how I'm supposed to in uh, afflict somebody. Does does that make me someone who thinks they have all the answers? <laughs> and then I'm supposed to afflict myself? I don't know. It, not making a lot of sense to me, but it may do. So he goes on and he says here, he says, the sad Jesus community rules. And these are the sad Jesus community rules. It says, I'll be honest. I don't like rules. I don't like making them or enforcing them. So I'll keep this simple and clear as possible. Number one, this is the number one rule. I really don't like it when people throw, quote, scripture clods, like dirt clods, scripture clods at one another. In other words, don't quote scripture hmm, or holy writings at me or at anyone else in the community. Quoting scripture is really discouraged because very few people actually address the issue of context or accuracy of translation. So don't bother trying to prove your point by throwing scripture clods. Proof texting is the worst of these behaviors and will always be deleted. Helpful point of view or not. Scripture of whatever variety, is far too complex for such frivolous behavior. (laughs) 
Yeah, <laughs> great idea. Let's not use the Bible. <laughs> really, let's not use the Bible. It's, it's far too complex to read and understand. <laughs> You're right. It, it would not be helpful in any way to have a discussion about spiritual passages and what they mean. <laughs> and, and I might say here, the sarcasm here is for free. So just so you know, <laughs> number two, this is rule number two, have some questioned, uh, um, some have questioned my name, sad Jesus, or try to quote, cheer me up or quote, make me smile. Please don't. <laughs> this is a rule, right? Please don't. I am a servant of the one named Jesus and I am saddened by the world around me. That should be enough. <laughs> if it's not enough, you really ought to think twice before hassling me about a name I chose for myself. <laughs> Again, this guy is the life of the party. <laughs> and I'm also glad to, to hear that, that Jesus doesn't really have a sense of humor, <laughs> but is perpetually sad along with us. <laughs> Number three, as I said, I'm a servant of Jesus. However, however, I'm not nearly as perfect or holy as he is. If you are rude, call people names, jump into right-wing tirades. So I guess left-wing tirades are okay. But if you jump into right-wing tirades or just want to do long-winded written screeds slash rants in this community... Your content will be deleted. <laughs> if you continue to do it, you'll be banned. <laughs> if you use sarcasm or irony, your comments will likely be deleted. If you are warned about it, want to argue about it, or continue after you've been warned, you'll be banned. <laughs> so, no sarcasm or irony. <laughs> Good thing I didn't post my thoughts on this page because I'd, I'd be banned right off the bat, right? Number four, I welcome people of all religious types and lack thereof. If they are kind to one another, gentle in intent and seeking a, a fresh light on all things spiritual. So if you come in here condemning any kind of a religious group or lack of religious group, your content will be deleted. And if you do it again, you're banned. <laughs> so, so we're just to accept everything that, it, that he posts and not disagree. All right, got it. And number five, please. Now, this is what he writes, okay? <laughs> please, please, please. I cannot stress this enough. <laughs> I think you already have, but use inclusive language in your posts. And remember, God is not gendered. God is not he, him, his. That heresy of patriarchy is a thorn in the side of Christianity, and I will do everything I can to remove it, whether Paul got his removed or not. <laughs> I don't care if it's your habit or not. It will not be allowed to continue in this community. So what? <laughs> what? 
<laughs> God is not gendered. <laughs> I would quote scripture for you. Then though he he says that we're not supposed to do that. So I guess we can't. <laughs> All right. Well, that seems to be enough rules, he says. I doubt that anyone will actually read them. Well, actually we did. But here they are nonetheless. I hope you enjoy your soldier, <laughs> your sad <laughs> soldier with his community, with this community, and the blessings of God be upon you. <laughs> now, if you look at this, this guy literally has seven, 76,591 people following his page. That's a lot of people. So what kind of posts do we see from this guy? Well, here is one that just posted the other day. Uh, it has a picture of a young, attractive gal, and it says, quote, they said that if I questioned a 6,000-year-old earth, I would question whether other parts of scripture should be read scientifically or historically. They were right. I did. Now, now I'm going to stop here and say, you don't have to believe that the earth isn't billions of years old to know that the Bible is true and that it's the word of God. But I continue. It says, they said that if I entered the hope that those, if I entertained the hope that those without access to the gospel might still be loved and saved by God, I would fall prey to the dangerous idea that God loves everyone, that there is nothing God won't do to reconcile all things to him and to himself. They were right. I have. Now, again, I'm going to stop here. So, <laughs> God does love everyone and wants to reconcile us to him. That is true. That's why he died and rose again, in fact. It's called resurrection. And we can accept it or we can, we can reject it. But he already did his part. He did the part. Now we just have to accept it. Or reject it, depending on which way we want to go. It says that they said that if I looked for Jesus beyond the party line, I would end up voting for liberals. They were right. I do, sometimes. And again, I say, yes, God is not a member of a certain political party. Duh. But wouldn't you say that God cares about life and freedom? And, and if he does, wouldn't he want us to vote for those leaders that fight for life and freedom? She goes on and she says, they said that if I listened to my gay and lesbian neighbors, if I made room for them in my church and in my life, I couldn't let grace get out of hand. They were right. It has. Okay, let me stop. This is another straw man argument. No one says you should not let grace get out of hand. I, I've never heard of that before. <laughs> Healthy churches and Christians do make room for gay and lesbian individuals. We just don't condone their sin by telling them it's okay and make them pastors or put them in leadership positions. All right? She goes on, says, They told me 
that this slippery slope would lead me away from God, that it would bring a swift end to my faith journey, that I'd be forever lost. But with that one, they were wrong. Yes, the slippery slope brought doubts. Yes, the slippery slope brought change. Yes, the slippery slope brought danger and risk and unknowns. I'm indeed more exposed to the elements out here. And at times, it is hard to find my footing. But when I decided I wanted to follow Jesus as myself, with both my head and my heart intact, the slippery slope was the only place I could find him, and the only place I could engage my faith honestly. So down I went. It was easier before, when the path was wide and straight. But truth be told, I was faking it. I was pretending that things that didn't make sense made sense, that things that didn't feel right felt right. To others, I appeared confident and in control, but faith felt as far away as as a friend who has grown distant and cold. Now, let me stop for a second. Religion can be a distant, cold thing. That's why I don't like religion, to be honest with you. But so is a place without relationship with Christ. If if I have a question about something, let's say, I, I, a deep biblical study always helps me find the truth. And when I have a relationship, a saving relationship with Jesus Christ, and when I have this relationship with him, with a living God, that there's nothing cold and distant about that. And she goes on, she says, now every day is a risk. Now I have no choice but to cling to faith and hope and love for dear life. Now I have to keep a very close eye on Jesus as he leads me through deep valleys and precarious peaks. But the view is better. And for the first time in a long time, I am fully engaged in my faith. I am alive. I am dependent. I am following Jesus as me, heart and head intact. And they were right. All it took was a question or two to bring me here. And this was written by Rachel Held Evans. And it says, June 8th, 1981 to May 4th, 2019. So obviously she passed away. Now it's sad that this woman went to eternity, possibly not knowing Jesus as her savior. That would make a sad Jesus, don't you think? How how do people get so deceived as to think that they're following a living God, but miss out on the gift of salvation? In part, it's because pastors like this one, and this is from lifenews.com, and it says, a Maryland United Church of Christ pastor claims she, quote, never felt more loved by God, unquote, than when she walked into an abortion facility to abort her unborn baby. Unlike most Christians, the Reverend Kaylee McAvoy doesn't believe her abortion conflicted with her Christian beliefs, according to the Washington Post. She said she prayed about her pregnancy first and believed an abortion was the right thing to do. Wow. The newspaper shared her story in an article highlighting an increasingly vocal minority 
of religious leaders in the U.S. who are advocating openly for the killing of unborn babies in abortions. It's part of a wider push by abortion activists to attempt to normalize abortion on demand, hoping to sway a public that has not shifted much on the issue in decades. Lately, uh, abortion activists have been targeting Christians with claims from pastors, religious professionals, and authors that abortion is a moral good. However, they are finding resistance even among many churchgoers who support abortion. Now, McAvoy, the the pastor of Westmoreland Congregational UCC in Bethsaida, told the Washington Post that she debated whether to tell her congregation about her abortion because even many pro-choice people still do not view it as a social and theological good. Hmm. (laughs) I wonder why people would think that having an abortion and killing an innocent life would be theologically wrong. (laughs) Yes, we're still continuing with the sarcasm. (laughs) When the pastor and her then boyfriend learned in 2016 that she was pregnant, the first place that they went was a cathedral to pray and to call doctor's offices in search of one to do the abortion. Wow. Other visitors to the cathedral happened to try to enter the small chapel where McAvoy was on the phone, but her boyfriend turned them away, she remembers, saying, quote, something holy is happening here. Okay, no, no, no. (laughs) Something unholy was happening there. But in front of her new congregation, she wondered and worried if they would lose respect for her. Westmoreland, like the suburb of Bethsaida it sits in, is full of liberal people who politically support abortion access, McAvoy felt, but may not be ready to call it a social and theological good. <laughs> okay, so I see. They, they may just not be ready. Like, sort of like they have gotten, they haven't really gotten to that truth yet, right? That it's a theological good. Wow. Evidently, she did tell her congregation what she did, saying she never felt more known and heard and loved by God than when she entered the doors of a Planned Parenthood. The report did not mention how the congregation reacted. would have been interesting, to be honest with you. Among her fellow abortion activists in January, McAvoy was more bold. She described their abortion advocacy as holy. Wow. She described it as holy in a speech to a group of Christian pro-abortion activists in D.C. Quote, something holy is happening here, friends, she said, according to the newspaper. Now, okay, what is the biblical definition of holy? I will give it to you. Exalted or worthy of complete devotion as one perfect in goodness and righteousness. That's the biblical definition of holy. It's worthy of complete devotion. Is this worthy of complete devotion to tell people that an abortion is holy? 
that's blasphemy. That is not right. Most Christians, she says, would be disturbed. Well, actually, this is this is the article continuing. It says, most Christians would be disturbed and outraged at McAvoy's claim that killing an unborn child is something holy. Christianity teaches that an abortion kills a, a unique living human being created in the image of God and sh- and and shedding innocent blood is one of the things that God hates the most. Child sacrifice repeatedly is condemned in the Bible. While some Christians without history have rejected the truth about the value of unborn babies and and the evil of abortion, Christianity always has opposed abortion. The Bible criticizes unborn babies as... um, as valuable human beings, uh, it, it, I'm sorry, not criticizes, it recognizes unborn babies as valuable human beings. Of course, in Luke and in Genesis, Psalms, um, you know, Jesus placed great value on children when others in society did not. Matthew 19, for instance, and Proverbs 6 states that one of the things God hates the most is the shedding of innocent blood. Uh, one of the Ten Commandments, of course, obviously prohibits murder. Science also backs up the belief. Biologically, it's well accepted that a living human being with his or her own unique DNA comes into existence at the moment of conception. Scientists, biology textbooks, and and other expert sources agree. And it is a reason why many non-religious people also believe abortion is wrong. Christians also believe that God loves and forgives mothers and fathers who have their unborn babies aborted. When individuals recognize their sin and repent, of course. Christianity teaches that God is abounding in love and willing to forgive. Many pro-life ministries offer post-abortion Bible studies and counseling programs for just that purpose. But it doesn't matter to some churches and and some leaders. Here is a press release from Planned Parenthood in in April of last year. So today, Planned Parenthood Federation Federation of America is announcing 10 new members of the Planned Parenthood Clergy Advocacy Board, or CAB. The CAB leads the organization's national and local advocacy efforts to communicate the community with communities of faith and religious leaders for access to full range of sexual and reproductive health care. So in other words, what's happening here is that for the last 27 years, Planned Parenthood has had this group called CAB, C-A-B, and they are faith-based leaders that are saying, hey, we want to work to give abortions. And the new members of last year, and I'll name them, the Reverend Emily Harden, West Virginia, the Reverend Tim Cutsmark of California, Rabbi Sarah Smiley of Kansas, the Reverend Katie Zay of North Carolina, the Reverend Dr. Rebecca Todd Peters of North Carolina, and Reverend Ellie Dowd of Illinois, the Reverend Elise Salisbury of Tennessee, the Reverend Letitia James Portis of Georgia, and the Reverend Stephen Griffith of Nebraska. These are the new members on Planned Parenthood's new um, new members to their to, to their group. Now, this is what makes Jesus sad. People that claim to lead others in their spiritual walk with God teaching and promoting unbiblical things. Since I'm not a member of the sad Jesus community, I can I can quote scripture 
and not be banned. Well, at least not yet. <laughs> Here are some of the most sobering verses, though, and, 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 and that I believe, in my opinion, in the entire Bible. Matthew 7.15 says this. It says, Be aware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, you will recognize them by their fruits. So what kind of fruit are these wolves bringing to the table? The fruit of death and destruction. And if you think that I'm being overly dramatic about this, let's read the the next three verses of the Bible. And it says in verse 21, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven, on that day many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many works in your name? And then will I declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. I'm afraid that this very scenario will be played out way too many times. Uh, and, and, and this is what breaks Christ's heart. This is what makes a sad Jesus. And you may agree with me. You may not agree with me. Definitely love to hear from you on it. And of course, you can always do that at UncommonSensePodcast.com. Thank you very much for listening. This podcast is a production of Morganite Communications.